Warning, warning, this is not a test. Warning, warning, this is not a test. Warning, warning, this is my podcast, Word of Daniel podcast. And I come back to you with the month of June science news. So, yes, you are welcome and thank you very much for tuning in. And... Um, I had to do that intro, you know, I just, I just have to do something because um, I've seen lately, we need to stand up, you know, for what we believe in. And I believe uh, it's still a lot out there to, for us to find out. And um, I feel like in higher levels, some things are hidden from us. But Let's carry on with the conspiration. Let's move on, move away from this, and let's start the news month, news month of June. So, as you know, I, of course, for the people who are listening to me, of course, in my latest podcast, um, I go online. I find some interesting news, in my opinion, about science. Uh, uh, first of all, it's space in my uh, in my target because that's what uh, really you know is my passion to find new and interesting things which are out there still you know for us to discover. And then I'll move on to discuss some things about uh, our planet as well and what happened you know in our world. But we'll get there. First of all. Let's find the first news of today. So what happened last month? <coughs> Let's read. Massive unknown radio structure detected around the universe's brightest quasar. Okay, let's see what astronomers find. So astronomers have discovered two large mysterious objects blasting out the brightest black hole in the known universe. Blasting out of the black hole in the uh, known universe, so blasting out. Okay, discovered in 1959, survey of cosmic, cosmic radio wave sources. The supermassive black hole 3C273 is a quasar, short for quasi-stellar object, because the light emitted by this behemoth is bright enough to be mistaken for starlight. Okay, while black holes themselves do not emit light. Well, we'll see about that. The largest ones are surrounded by gargantuan sort of gas called accretion disk. As gas falling into the black hole and near light speed frictions heat up the disk and cause it to blaze with radiation typically detected at radio waves. Yes, of course. Quasar 3C273 is the first quasar ever identified. It is also the brightest, shining more uh, than 4 trillion times as bright as Earth, Sun. That's bright while sitting at a distance of more than 2.4 billion light years away. That's really far as well. Over the decades, scientists have studied the blazing black hole nucleus extensively. However, because the quasar is so bright, studying the surrounding galaxy that host it is being near impossible. Yes, because the <coughs> it's taking the spotlight, let's say like this. <laughs> uh, this, that remarkable brightness has ironically left scientists largely in the dark about how quasars impact their host galaxy. In the study, a team of researchers calibrated the Atacama Large Millimeter 
submillimeter array ALMA radiotelescop in Chile to separate the radiant glow of quasar from the light emitted by his host galaxy. They were left with just the radio waves emitted by the quasar galaxy, revealing two massive and mysterious uh, radio, radio structures never seen before. Interesting, interesting. One structure appeared to be an enormous smudge of radio light that envelops the entire galaxy, then stretches on the tens of thousands of light years to the southwest. This radio fog overlaps with the second structure, a gargantuan jet of energy known as astrophysical jet, which also stretch on for tens of thousands of light years. Uh, scientists aren't exactly sure how, how or why these astronomical jets form. Uh, they do know, however, that jets are commonly seen around quasar and other supermassive black holes and likely arise from interaction between a black hole and its dusty accretion disks. Uh, jets are typically made of uh, ionized electrically charged matter and travel at near light speed. Okay. So, after testing several theories, the team concluded that the large radio fog around the galaxy comes from star forming hydrogen gas that has been ionized directly by the quasar itself. This is the first time that ionized gas have been seen stretching tens of thousands of light years around the supermassive black hole okay so what they are saying <coughs> when they mean radio waves is light so keep that in mind radio waves whatever it's just a different uh, wavelength of light we only have a narrow view of the light but radio waves is a different it's also microwave is gamma rays and you know infrared uh, light but it's a lot uh, what is my take on this it's <coughs> because they um, did what they did, you know, they tried to separate the wavelength of light. Now they see with uh, with this quasar, and uh, I'm not sure if they realize what they're actually uh, telling us, but what it's the reality is that almost everywhere in our universe is a lot of gas, hydrogen gas. And this quasar just ionizes that gas, and keep in mind, they, as they say in the article, it spreads for millions of uh, light years across. So that's a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, this shows us that mostly around us is a lot of hydrogen gas. Of course, it's very hard to observe this gas because it doesn't. Uh, it's not producing light and it's also you know uh, uh, how to say to the visible wavelength like Hubble yes it's impeaching the ability of Hubble sometimes to see some stars but now with James Webb with the infrared light uh, this gas is not gonna be a problem but my take on this is that we have a lot of gas around us not in just other galaxy even in our galaxy but why we don't find this gas in our solar system? Well, I'm guessing because our sun, as you know, uh, and now I'm going a little bit of topic, but as you know, Voyager was going through interstellar space and our space probe find like a wall. And let me tell you why that wall is there, in my opinion. This is my opinion only. It's because the sun with his man magnetic shields and uh, 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 you know the rotation of it it's keeping away 
a lot of uh, interstellar matter to come into our solar system. So what it was in our solar system already was either used by the sun, yeah, or it's in our sun, or either uh, was combined and uh, create all this uh, matter like our planets and uh, asteroids and everything else. So this is my take on this. But it's interesting to see they find evidence, like I said, there's still a lot of evidence out there. So it took them like 50 years. What year they find this quasar? It was a long time ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 59. Yeah, so 60 years to find this. But still, uh, it's uh, interesting to see still uh, new stuff out there to discover. Let's go to the next one. And we go again with weird in the title. Weird type of fast radio burst discovered 3 billions light years away. 3 billions. Ooh. This could be a sign that fast uh, radio bursts have more than one cause. Okay. Astronomers have used two of the world's largest radio telescopes to discover the second known example of the new type of fast radio burst, FRB. The mysterious, extremely powerful explosion of radio waves that pulse through space thousands of times a day. Hmm. The new FRB, called FRB190520, is it's strong evidence that multiple celestial objects could be the source of these enigmatic signals. The new object is the second detected that not only produces repeatedly FRB, but also emits a constant source of weaker radiation in between eruptions. The signal was described in detail in uh, June 8. Okay. First spotted in 2007. Woo! Fast radio bursts discharge more energy in a few brief milliseconds than the sun does in a year. Interesting. Astronomers have long puzzled over the source of these sudden bright flashes. But as they predominantly erupt from galaxy millions of even billions of light years away, like this one, and flare quickly and often, only once, is very challenging to identify their sources. Uh, in 2020, the first ever de de detection of FRB within our own galaxy enabled scientists to trace it, uh, its origin to a magnetar, a highly magnetized, fast-rotating husk of a dead star. Huh. This, the, the, ah, okay, let's keep reading. Magnetar are a special type of neutron star which are ultra-dense stellar cores left behind from supernova explosion. Magnetar have unusually strong magnetic field, trillions of times more powerful than of Earth. But scientists aren't sure that all FRB come from magnetars. Uh, even stranger, the flashes from some FRB uh, repeat sometimes in a single brief burst, another time across multiple sporadic iterations. On this repeating FRB, the first and most active is FRB 12110, located in a dwarf galaxy 3 billion light years away. The unknown source spit out radio waves from a compact region over a cycle of 157 days. It's alternate between 90 days of power, powerful repeating radio bursts and 60 days of softener weaker radio emission. Ooh. The, um, the arrival of a second FRB with similar behavior to the first raised some important questions and stretched the possibility that, that there could be two different types of FRB. Okay, so there are different types of radio emission. Who 
could realize that. Okay, all these uh, repeat different <laughs> from uh, from those that don't. What about the persistent radio emission? Is that common? Okay, the astronomers believe that either two or more completely different mechanisms exist to produce this stunning cosmic flare, or the bursts are being made by objects at very different stages of their cosmic evolution. Yes, that could be true. Some indirect evidence support the second hypothesis. Uh, FRB often arrives at single pulse from unknown origin. Astronomy usually estimates how far the source is from Earth by measuring how much FRB emitted radio waves are separated out by frequency. Okay. But being able to trace the location of FRB reveal a strange mismatch. The radio waves from the pulsing objects were dispersed enough to have come from something 8 billion to 9.5 billion light years away. But by studying the Doppler effect or the stretching out of the radio waves uh, caused by the universe expansion, the astronomer more accurately placed the objects at just under 3 billion light years away from Earth. Hmm, universe expansion. This means there is a lot of material near the FRB that could confuse any attempt to use it to measure the gas between galaxies. The unusually dense electron clouds around the FRB could suggest the source is a newborn magnetar, still cloaking the material of the supernova explosion that created. Yes. So what they are trying to say, they are they are not exactly sure where it's coming from. And they believe it's a magnetar, like we discussed earlier. Magnetar is a really powerful uh, uh, magnetic field which rotates, which is very important in what I said and I keep saying in our universe. And some people don't realize. Um, and it's sending this radio burst. And what is uh, stunning me a little bit is that this uh, energy burst is as strong as, where was it? It's like our sun emits in one year. I'm pretty sure I read that. Ah, so far fast radio bursts discharge more energy in a few brief milliseconds than the sun does in a year. I, I smell something here. And you know what I smell here? I smell the potential for, for energy, for... Um, for um, create e even a more reliable source of energy. I'm smelling this. If you have something that can send in couple milliseconds more energy than our sun is producing in one year, that's incredible. And in my opinion, we should really like take a look on that and try to uh, some point to reproduce the uh, that project, you know, I know we are trying to reproduce the our sun in laboratories, you know, to to me merge atoms together and create a stars. So we have uh, this kind of energy, you know, at, uh, in our palm. But I think this is actually even more intriguing to me. This kind of energy in milliseconds, if it's truly what they say, if it's true, you know, I think this needs more investigating, and I. Uh, what I take from this is we need to find exactly what it's causing this uh, 
fast burst of energy, even if it's radio energy, it doesn't matter. But if it's so powerful, we kind of need to find a way maybe in the future to produce this because this could uh, even more revolutionize our race because okay we have our sun in our palm but imagine having the sun or the energy of our sun that is producing one year in in milliseconds that would be insane that would be something which would definitely throw us like on the higher ladder of you know ladder of the of the chain but we'll see about that we'll see okay next I hope you are not. Uh, I hope you are up to me. Yes, uh, as you know, I'm reading because I take most of the news from what I've seen this month and also by the title. So I have to read to understand some of it, and also you can understand. And then I have my take on it. And we go again to aliens, one of my favorite uh, uh, subjects. The aliens are all hanging out on Dyson spheres, circling uh, white dwarfs. Physicists argue. Okay, so as I said uh, before, there are a lot of people coming, uh, as me, sometimes I'm coming with some crazy stuff, they are coming with some ideas, and as I said, some of them come might be true, some might not. So let's keep on reading and to see what this gentleman's opinion is. So far, no one has ever found evidence of intelligent aliens uh, elsewhere in the cosmos. Yes, we found in, on our planet, on Roswell. But if they exist, <laughs> they might be hanging out on Dyson Sphere circling the hunks of sun-like stars called White Dwarf, scattered through the Milky Way, a new paper argue. Hmm, okay. And that's where should be focus our uh, search for extraterrestrials to the co-author Ben Zuckerman. Hmm. Sounds like... Uh, a little bit like uh, someone from Facebook, an emeritus professor of physics and astronomy of the University of California in Los Angeles. Okay, so any advanced civilization needs energy, yes, for food, for transport, for conflict, for comfort and for convenience, definitely. Currently, Earth 7.8 billion, holy moly, people use around uh, 580 millions and millions of joules energy every year equivalent to the energy output of almost 14,000 million tons of oil. Holy moly. Okay. Indeed, almost all human energy comes from fossil fuel. That's that's a big problem. As we lack the technological service to rely on the largest generator of, of energy in the solar system, the sun, what I was saying the whole time. Yes, free energy from our sun and we just take it so likely. But some people need to get rich. If humans cover every square uh, inch of Earth's surface with solar panels, that would generate more than 10 at 17 joules of energy per second. That would be, that would still be the uh, losing the majority of energy radiated by the sun. So 10 at 26 joules per second. So the sun emits a lot of energy, like I said, free energy. Uh, this is the motivation behind Dyson Spheres, named for uh, for the famed physicist Freeman Dyson, who developed the idea in 1960. If an advanced civilization really wants to harness the awesome energy output of their home star, they would have to build mega, mega structures to capture it, blocking out at least some of the starlight and converting that energy into other useful things. Dyson. Dyson 
original proposal of a solid sphere with 100 solar uh, coverage doesn't work because the stability issue yes and it's also be impossible to keep the star at the center of the entire spheres with this disintegrate due to extreme tidal and rotational stresses okay uh, so staying put on the surface of a planet is not a viable long-term option. No, it's not. That means any alien could either pack up and leave, finding a new system to call home, okay, or build a series of habitats that harvest the radiation from remaining white dwarfs. So taking the long view, the presence of the presence of a Dyson sphere or ring or swarm around a white dwarf will have two effects. If it's large enough or close enough to the star, it will block the light arriving to Earth, yes, just as uh, transiting exoplanets do. But such Dyson sphere might also add a signal from infrared radiation. Ooh, interesting. The megastructure will absorb radiation from the white dwarf and convert that energy into other things. Since no conversion is 100%, this process will leave behind some waste heat that will escape as infrared Right. Well, surprisingly or not, now we have in our space uh, James Webb telescope and actually we can uh, take a greater look at this uh, white dwarf and we can maybe uh, test this gentleman idea, this Ben Zuckerman idea. Uh, this could be really interesting actually because if it's really something out there, like I said, uh, infrared light is strong enough and is not... Uh, how to say, uh, hidden to us by any gas in the galaxy, so we can exactly see what is happening there with the white dirt, uh, you know, in, in close to that presence. So this could, uh, could help us, you know, move forward in our uh, search for aliens. Of course, if we just take away Roosevelt, which, uh, you know, that was a big mess from the government, but still, we, we can try in our days to find proofs that aliens are out there and um, i just need to say this and use that big word emphasize you don't you don't have to get scared even if it's um, even if it's uh, extraterrestrial life out there or even aliens yes like i mean aliens i mean like people like us who sentient beings who can think yes uh, they probably are a little bit more advanced than us so don't be scared they're gonna come here and kill us all if that happens well that's our bad luck but uh, in my opinion they resolve all these pity uh, pity conflicts we have on our planet so that should not be worried so this is a really, a really interesting story and now with james webb which by the way it's was hit by a micrometeorite uh, we'll see what happens next. We'll see what happens next. One which is uh, really interesting to me and it's phasing me for a while now. A rogue black hole wandering Milky Way alone prove Einstein right again. Well, I don't know about that proving Einstein right again, but let's see. Two teams found a compact stellar object in a spiral arm of the Milky Way directly determined its mass and velocity from the principle of general relativity. They mean that you'll see. Okay, scientists have spotted the first ever rogue black hole wandering our galaxy. Using the Hubble Space Telescope, the 
team not only detected the rogue object but also directly measure its mass something okay the stellar mass black hole is located around 5000 light years from earth mm, it's not that far in the Carina Sagittarius spiral arm of the Milky Way. Usually such objects have companion stars, yet this one is alone. Well, it eat all of them. What do you want? Two <laughs> team use uh, able Hubble data to make the discovery. One team, okay, okay. Um, there should be about 100 million black holes in our galaxy, a large fraction of which should be isolated. Okay, well, that's crazy. Uh, so this team determined that Celestial Nomad has a mass of seven times that of our sun. It's not that big. Uh, so the black hole is also traveling at a velocity of around 100,000 miles per hour or 162,000 kilometers per hour. Okay, suggesting it was launched at tremendous speed by the process that created okay so when a huge star around 20 times as massive sun runs out of nuclear fuel is collapsed yes this process creates either a neutron star or a black hole i i, I think i think here uh, but i'll go that in a, in a moment if the supernova say can give the stellar range left behind the kick that is sent spiraling away from surrounding stars okay so how did they found it so ground-based telescopes have detected 30,000 micro-lensing uh, micro effect so far, and scientists have used these events to study all kinds of objects like star, brown dwarf, and on exoplanets. Uh, the micro-lensing event caused by black holes lasts longer than those caused by other objects. Okay. So. General relativity suggests that how much the light gets deflected depends on how much the source warps space-time. I think this is a mistake, but we'll see. And that warping is determined by the mass of the object. Okay, so they use this theory as we have now, theory of relativity, and they found this object, which is, as you guess it, black and doesn't emit any light because i'm guessing there is was no star around and it it's uh, it's just you know it all the um, all the uh, planets or all the gas around it but i have to get there as well um and they managed to find the mass of it which i if i'm not mistaken was the seven times the mass of our sun so it's not a big black hole so what this says to me if they found this uh this says and they said as well there are a lot of these small black holes so this means that there were a lot of stars which died because of course Keep in mind, universe is 3.8 billion, yes, as we know it so far, in age. So these stars died and now created this black hole. But keep in mind, this process creates either a neutron star or a black hole. In my opinion, this is wrong. Neutron star or a black hole is the same thing. But this, I'll come back later when I finish my things, my, my theory. Uh, so I think, in my humble opinion, is the same thing, neutron star or black hole. So after a, a star dies, 
uh, after it consume all the you know what what it has around it especially the gas around it just create this black hole aka neutron neutron star and um, it's just wandering around in the in the universe now i know some scientists had this idea and uh, i had this idea what if it's on collision with our solar system could we see it coming well most likely not or maybe or maybe we'll be able to detect it when it's real close to us but don't be too scared because still we have our sun and like i said our sun has uh, its magnetic field and it's protecting us from a lot keep in mind our like i said our sun is our protector and it's, pro it's keeping a lot of things away so i will not be that scared at the moment okay so it was interesting to see this because i've seen these discussions a lot and uh, now we have like the proof that this is actually out there so there are black holes out there which are in really hard to detect just they detect in using this um bending light around it which is given by the rotation effect not by gravitation or whatever things okay let's move on bizarre spiral objects found swirling around milky way center hmm what is this as if cracking open a cosmic russian nesting doll astronomer have peered into the center of the milky way and discovered what happened to be a miniature spiral galaxy swirling daintily around a single large star Ooh, the star located about 26,000 light years from earth whoosh, near the dense and dusty galactic center is about 30 times as massive as the sun our sun and sits within an enormous disk of swirling gas known as protostellar disk so the disk itself measure 40,000 astronomical units 40,000 times the uh, distance between sun and earth for 4,000 4,000 my bad 4,000 um, such discs are widespread in the universe serving as stellar fuels that help young, young star grows into big bright suns over millions of years but astronomers uh, have never seen one like this before a galaxy in, galaxy in miniature orbiting perilously close to the center of our own galaxy so using this high definition uh, observation taken with ALMA, Atacama Large Millimeter Submillimeter Array Telescope in Chile, the researchers found that the disk doesn't appear to be moving in a way that would give it a natural spiral shape. Rather, they wrote that this seems to have been literally stirred up by near collision with another body possibly the mysterious triple size sun objects that it's still visible nearby it okay so 
they did some math besides offering the first direct images of a protostellar disk in the galactic center this study shows that external objects can whip stellar disk into spiral shapes typically only seen on the galactic scale and because the center of the milky way is million of times denser with stars and our neck of the galaxy is likely that near miss events like this occurring in the galactic center pretty regularly the research says fine that means that our galaxy center might be overloaded with miniature spirals only waiting to be discovered very interesting so <clears throat> what what is to take from this news uh, as you know this so-called gravity yeah is created by a massive object uh, but keep in mind in my opinion this much massive object has to rotate without rotating without spinning this is i think this is the most important um how to say the most important characteristic of this if it's not spinning it's not uh, is it's just not there so we can create this so if the objects even in in our uh, center of the galaxy which is pretty dense it's an object it's pretty massive like these objectives like 30 times uh, massive you know more massive than our sun can create this look-alike galaxy what they what they mean by that is uh, the gas is just swirling around and is looking like a spiral and it's just swirling around because that object spin and with that spin uh, because of the magnetic and um, uh, the forces around the this force the which create the attraction and the magnetic force electromagnetic force just creating the same uh, objects like our galaxy but it's mostly gas so i'm guessing there are not a lot of planets out there but still if you ask me these objects sooner or later of course if our black hole of the center you know if this uh, powerful cosmic entity you know if this uh, the this field increase probably is gonna destroy this in time but not now but it's interesting to see you know that every objects uh, depends on its mass and on its spin in my opinion as well on the and the the speed which it's spinning it can create like mini solar system or mini galaxies around it but depends okay let's see what else okay they, they now they make reference to a movie rare obi-wan kenobi star survives death by supernova returns stronger and brighter interesting in 2012 a shriveled white star in a nearby galaxy reached the end of his life and exploded in a violent thermonuclear supernova such explosion known as type 1 supernovas are uh, common and for billions of stars in our universe yes okay but uh, this time something went wrong as the old star blew up from the inside out the explosion failed to reach the power and brightness of a typical type 1a supernova when the dust settled years later scientists observing the stellar wreckage saw that the old star 
hasn't vanished at all. It was still there, even bigger and brighter than before. Interesting. Somehow the star had survived its own supernova explosion of cosmic magic trick never seen before. Okay. This uh, astronomers first detected a supernova while its uh, progenitor star was in mid-explosion. Using the Hubble, researchers saw the bright flare of light on the edge of a spiral galaxy from some 120 million light years from Earth. Based on its brightness and the type of light emitted, the blast appeared to be a Type 1a supernova. Okay, to occur in a star system where the shriveled husk of burnout star known as White Dwarf share a close orbit with another larger star. Scientists aren't sure exactly how this explosion occurred, but a popular theory suggests that the White Dwarf gradually draw in gas from its companion star until the white dwarf reach a critical mass that trigger a runaway thermonuclear reaction to its core. Okay. So, the best clue to solving this puzzle uh, is the weakened nature of a type AX supernova, the researchers are. It is possible that, that when the explosion ignited, it was too weak to fully blown away all the gas that uh, comprised the white door. So following the initial explosion, some of this material may have fallen back into particularly exploded star, creating a zombie called a bound remnant. Okay. So what is this? Let's go in our language. So what they are trying to say is that actually they saw the star like our sun trying to explode you know they all this uh all this mass they it's it's you know starting to emit more and more powerful light uh commonly known as a type 1a supernova you know known to that explosion but actually the star didn't explode at all and um, <clears throat> i'm guessing because of the spin uh, properties which I say is very important uh, because it's remaining uh, it remained the same it's starting back to gather all the material which was around it and you start to uh, how to say get even brighter so that mean that actually maybe the star didn't explode at all maybe it was more like uh, burst of energy in my opinion maybe something like we've seen from from so-called black hole emit from their poles so maybe this was that kind of energy you know was a little bit of uh, uh, let's say a little bit of struggle with all that all that energy around it and after it settled down because it was keep spinning around it's starting again to gather dust and to ignite even stronger. So this shows, like I said, there's still a lot out there which we need to find out, and we need to we need to keep on looking to find all these things, all the crumble, the pieces of the puzzle, so we can put everything together. Now, one which this title just attracted me, but I'm not sure what they're gonna say in this article. Time might not exist, but that's okay. Mm. Okay.
Does time exist? The answer to the question may seem obvious. Of course, it does. Just look at the calendar of clock. No, no, no. But development in physics suggests that uh, the non-existence of time is an open possibility and one that we should take seriously. A crisis in physics. Oh, I just had that episode a little while back. <laughs> uh, physics is in crisis. For the past century or so, we have explained the universe with two wildly successful physical theories. General, general relativity and quantum mechanics. Yes, and some of the some it's it's not right quantum mechanics describe how things works in the incredibly tiny work of particle and particle interaction general general relativity describes the big pictures of gravity and how objects move it's no gravity out there just understand this is no force of gravity both both theory work extremely well in the normal right but uh, the two are thought to conflict with one another okay Physicists want to produce the theory of quantum gravity that replaces general relativity and quantum mechanics while capturing the extraordinary success of both. Such theory would explain how gravity big picture works of the miniature scale of particle. There is no gravity. That's why they don't that's why they can't merge this theory, because there is no gravity. Then they don't understand the most fundamental the the most fundamental how to say uh, properties that things has out there you know to to exist and let me tell you why but I'm still working on this and I'm trying you know to make a nice uh, a nice theory and maybe you know just publish all of it but let me give you a hint you know spinning particles is very important yes you know that yes. And <clears throat> why it's why it's spin very uh, important? If a particle doesn't spin, that particle doesn't exist. Okay, you know that, yeah, we know that. If you call a particle close to the absolute zero, that particle stop existing. So no time for that particle. What do you think happens on the larger scale? What did I say earlier? A very important property of any objects out there is spin. So, okay, I don't want to go more in because I need to finish my research and my paper, but these are just very important properties of any objects out there, no matter how small, how, how big it is, whatever it is. Without this, that object does not is not existing is not relevant you know so this is the crisis in physics what they say well in my opinion i touch this the crisis in physics with uh, with the general relativity and quantum mechanics and i said in my uh, episode that we base our understanding of the universe on on some theories which are over 100 years old, especially one of them, and instead of finding better one, we still try to whatever we find to go back to that one. And I think why we go back to that one, and I I feel the need as well uh, because of the mathematics. You know, it's uh, mathematics, which is not all Einstein, by the way. He took it from Newton and from um, Oh, I forgot uh, his name. 
those equations very well uh, explain some of the interaction we see out there. But we are missing some important parts, and I'm trying, you know, to find those those missing parts to put in those equations exactly what is missing. That is not easy. So yes, it's this conflict uh, between the two greatest, and to be honest, they are one of the greatest physical theories we have out there. Yeah, general relativity and quantum mechanics. And is this conflict and of course it's gonna take a while until somebody comes with a new understanding what is out there to exactly say what is what and what is you know there okay this uh, <clears throat> we move away from space from this far out space and we come back closer to our solar system and this uh, intrigued me a little bit let's see Scientists find remains of cannibals, cannibals baby planet in Jupiter cloud cover belly. So Jupiter eat other planets. Let's see. It's interesting. Jupiter inward are full of the remains of baby planets that the gas giant gobbled up as it expanded to become the behemoth we see today. Scientists have found. The findings come from the uh first clear view of the chemistry beneath the planet cloudy outer atmosphere despite being the largest planet in the solar system jupiter have uh, divulged very little about its inner working telescopes have captured tons of images of the sun involved in the gas uh, upper atmosphere but these van ghost storms also act as the barrier blocking the view of what's below okay in the new study, researchers were finally able to peer past Jupiter obscuring clouds cover using gravitational data collected by NASA Juno Space Probe. This data enabled the team to map the two, to map out the rocky material at the core of the giant planet, which revealed a surprisingly high abundance of heavy elements. Ooh, the chemical Makeups uh, suggest Jupiter devour baby planets or um, to fuel its expansive growth. Jupiter may predominantly be a ball of swirling gas today, but it started its life by creating rocky material just like uh, every other planet in the solar system. Um, uh, there are two co competing theories about how Jupiter managed to collect its initial rocky material. One theory is that Jupiter accumulated billions of smaller space rocks, which astronomers nicknamed pebbles, although these rocks are likely to be boulders. Okay, the opposing theory, which is supported by the finding for, from the new study, is that Jupiter core were formed from the absorptions of many planets, planet seismal, small planets, large rock uh, spanning several miles, which is left undisturbed, could have potentially acted seeds from which smaller rocky planets like Earth or Mars could develop. However, until now it was not uh, been possible to definitely say which of these theories is correct. 
So probing the planet. Let's hope to probe the right way, not the wrong way. <laughs> to settle the debate, researchers need to build a picture of Jupiter inside. Okay, so here on Earth we use seismograph to study the interior of the planet. Yes, using Earthquake. Okay, instead of the uh, researchers build computers model of Jupiter inward by combining data which was predominantly collected by Juno and from his predecessor Galileo. The probe measures the planet gravitational field of uh, different points around its orbit. The data shows that rocky material created by Jupiter has a high concentration of heavy elements, which form dense solid and therefore have a stronger gravitational effects than the gaseous atmosphere. You know something? This this is not surprise. This after I read the article, this is not surprising me at all. So what they are trying to say is that Jupiter, you know, the gas giant we have, actually has uh, closer to its core, or even its core, it's um, it's formed from other planets or from uh, from chunk of material like space rock. Could could be like another Earth inside the Jupiter spinning around, gathering all this dust around it, and this is how Jupiter form, you know. Uh, but in my opinion, uh, and and I'm saying this at the moment, so keep in mind this is my only opinion. I think for this to be possible, I think what it has to its core needs to be highly powerful, so highly magnetized object to be able to keep together this uh, to keep together all this material around it as you know uh, Jupiter has a strong field because it's competing with Sun yes you know they spin each other so I'm guessing what's not the gas is the thing which it's creating Jupiter. It's something at its core, something extremely powerful. So it could be something from a material like uh, could be the core of a dead star, you know, highly magnetized material or something else which is holding together all this material. So it's not surprising. This is really interesting stuff because um, this can show us how big planets form. So because keep in mind if our planet would have been strong enough you know had the spinning fast and has this in i'm talking now only in my opinion keep in mind and have these uh, strong magnetic fields uh, could become bigger so could uh, collect more material around it so if this is true uh, jupiter to have inside like uh, baby planets or these strong materials, I'm not surprised it's not a star. Because if the core is rocky, there was no chance to, to create the star. Because if that core spins, it's still a little bit massive. You can imagine, it, it, can't, it can't ignite, so it can't uh, fuse hydrogen atoms together so this is really really interesting so this could explain why jupiter is the way it is today so it's very interesting finding this one i'm happy i i uh, uh, i choose this one now some news again from um, our uh, solar system which uh, i'm not gonna read too much i'm just gonna read a little bit about the title and we move on
because today episode it's getting quite long as well because I'm talking too much seems like it I can't stop okay giant sunspot <laughs> double in size in 24 hours in the spotting right of earth you know something uh, I think it was two weeks ago I, I saw this news and I was like holy moly this look look at this I was talking about this bloody thing all the way until now and I really I don't want this to happen our son, like I said, he might be our protector, but man, he can still uh, can still hit us hard. Imagine a, a giant magnetic uh, storm, like it's in the next news: surprise solar storm with disruptive potential slamming to Earth. This was seven days ago, and luckily I'm still here to record it, so that mean was not that bad. So Earth magnetic field protect us. So. Yay, yay, hurrah for our planet. But um, <clears throat> this takes me back to what I keep saying and I keep hammering in the last episode. We need to take our sun serious. We need to find a way to protect from these, uh, these solar storms. And keep in mind, we cannot just only protect from this. We can, o we can also... Uh, how to collect all this energy and use it for us but we need we need the plan of uh, attack if we say so because we can't stay at the mercy of our son if we really want to become a, a higher uh, how to say um, a higher civilization yes if we want to become a higher civilization we need to stop with this uh, with these stupid wars, with stupid get rich, who's the richest, give, take a shit of the little guy. We need to come together and find ways to move across these things and build something better. And this is a way. If we can protect ourselves from our sun and also collect all this energy, then we are on the right track. Okay let's move on another news from uh, our solar system rubber ducky rubber ducky what a name asteroid 200 million miles away holds building blocks for life or, or of life okay for the first time scientists have found the building blocks for life on an asteroid in space japanese researchers have discovered more than 20 amino acids on the space rock Ryugu, which is more than 200 million miles from Earth. Well, uh, scientists made the first of kind detection by studying sample retrieved from the near-Earth asteroid by the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, Hayabusa 2 spacecraft, which line, landed on Ryugu in 2018. Wow! In 2019, the spacecraft collected uh, 5.4 grams, or 0.2 ounce for all of you out there. Um, <laughs> from the asteroid surface and the subsurface stow it on a, on a airtight container and launch it back to earth on a fine-tuned trajectory okay rather than being one large boulder ryugu is made up from many small rocks and the asteroid got its unusual spinning top shape from rapid rotation rotation what i'm keep saying rotation spinning scientists believe 
As a carbonosis or C-type asteroid, Ryugu contain a large amount of carbon-rich organic matter, which much of which likely originated from the same, same nebula that gave birth to the Sun and the planets of the solar system, roughly 4.6 billion years ago. So, previous sample analysis has also suggested that the asteroid harbors water. <laughs> so, the Ryubu material is the most primitive material in the solar system we have ever studied. University OK. Unlike the organic molecule found on Earth, the pitch black asteroid sample, which the scientists found only reflect 2% to 3% of the light that hits them, have not been changed by interaction with Earth environment, giving them a chemical composition much, much closer to that of early solar system. We detected various pre prebiotic organic compounds in the sample, including protonogeic amino acid, polycritic achromatic hydrocarbons, holy moly, my English, similar to terrestrial petroleum, and various nitrogen compounds. Wow! This prebiotic organic molecule can spread through the solar system potentially as interplanetary dust from the regular surface by impact or other causes. Initially, sample analysis detected 10 amino acid types, but now the number have ballooned to more than 20 amino acids as the fundamental building blocks to, of all proteins that are indispensable prerequisites for the existence of life on our planet. Okay. Uh, proving amino acids exist in the surface of asteroids increases the likelihood that the compound arrived on Earth from space. Wow. Wow. So this, because I know this, this uh, I, I know about this mission when they sent the, the uh, uh, satellite to take samples from this Ryugu. So actually, what this shows us is that life most likely can develop on other planets as well. So I, I think what we should take from this is like, like I said, extraterrestrial, not aliens, extraterrestrial life, in my opinion, as I said in my past postcard, postcast, is very common, it's very common out there. So we should not be surprised. The only problem is if it's intelligent life out there, if, if you develop on different things. But life, in my opinion, I think is very common out there in space. Like, we should not be surprised about this. And this is a great finding. This just shows us proof that this asteroid, which, you know, was out there circling around from the beginning of, uh, of our solar system, contain these building blocks of life. So it's very, very great discovery from the Japanese team. Kudos to them. Now, let's move on. Bizarre polygons are cracking through the surface of Mars. Yes, I see the photo. It's, it's uh, intriguing. It's springtime on Mars, and mysterious polygons are in bloom. A new image from the orbiting high-resolution experiment. Okay, a camera show. Recorded on March 30, 2022, the image revealed a patchwork of white zigzags crackling 
across the Martian soil at high latitude, which occasional sprays of black and blue mist fanning out between them. Ooh, the zigzag are colorful sprays, a signature feature of Martian spring. When hidden reservoirs of subterranean ice butt up against the dry Martian surface, okay. Both water and dry ice have a major role in sculpting Mars uh, surface at high latitude. Uh, water ice frozen in the soils splits the ground into polygons. The edge of the, uh, these polygons become cracked and frailed in springtime. The surface ice transforms from solid into gas, a process known as sublimation. When this transformation occurs, vents of dry air spray out of the Martian surface, leaving dark fan-shaped deposits of particles spread across the, uh, uh, across the ground. Wow! So, perhaps, perhaps even more impressive are the orbiter images, the largest canyon in our solar system, and therefore the largest known in the universe, spanning nearly 10 times as long as Earth, Grand Canyon, and 3 times deeper. The canyon remains a mystery of Marth Martian geology. Scientists aren't sure how it formed. If any mappers were involved, they keeping the truth to themselves. <laughs> so, uh, this shows, this shows, in my opinion, this shows that actually maybe the core of mars is not that dead after all it's still something out there but like i said in my last episode in my opinion without a satellite like our our moon is for us to keep us uh, alive mars it's it's i don't think it's the future for us and i'm just saying i don't want to disappoint anyone but I don't think Mars is the is the future for us. It doesn't have a strong man magnetic field to protect us, and the core is dead. And is because I'm guessing because of the is it has no large satellite like our planet to keep the core alive, as I said. But it's interesting to see that still something is out there, and also to see that uh, ice aka water it's more common out there that we we believe so we can find water on different planets and for us water is life so that means we can live on different uh, environments as well so really really good discovery as well uh, and this one is a little bit more like uh, are you sure China alien signal almost certainly come from humans, Project Researcher says. Okay, so scientists, uh, Chinese scientists claim that their sky eye telescope could have picked up the signal from intelligent aliens, have been met with skepticism, okay, by American colleagues. Okay. Uh, told, okay, that the narrow band uh, radio signal he and his fellow researchers found are from human radio interference and not from extraterrestrial. Natural sources don't typically produce narrow band radio signals. Scientists pick up three of the signals, similarly from space in 2019 and 2020, using the largest radio telescope in the world. 
Okay, nickname Skyeye. Okay. So the news of the signal, uh, possible aliens origin, first appear in a report published, okay, in June 14, China Ministry, okay. Uh, the claim quickly went viral, spreading across Chinese state media and the Chinese social media, okay, before, okay, but uh, what I mean is said that while the signals are centrally artificial, they are almost definitely from humans and not aliens. The big problem and the problem in this particular case is the, that they, we are looking from signal from extraterrestrial, but what we find is a zillion signals from terrestrial. They are weak signals, but the cryogenic receiver of the telescope are super sensitive and can pick up signals from cell phones, television, radars, and satellites. Okay. These are several narrow band electromagnetic signals from the past, and the team is currently working on further investigation. Okay. The recent false alarm is one of the several instances in which alien hunting scientists have been misled by noise from human activity. <laughs> uh. Okay, so what they are trying to say is that the Chinese think they find some alien signal and the American thinks, oh no, you are wrong. It didn't find any signal. It's actually, no, you are wrong. Always you are wrong. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this. Because, um, yes, could be a lot of interference. And as I said before, as I know now, especially of uh, watching a lot of things the government can cover up so many things it's crazy it's crazy in today world what they can hit from us it could be an asteroid hitting us tomorrow and they're not gonna tell us until tomorrow one hour before not to cause panic so they can leave their their last moments rich and whatever bullshit or could be aliens now having treaties with the American government. They never gonna tell us because why should I? Because they don't want to collapse the economy. And you know this is the life we live today. So it's it's hard in these subjects, as you know, it's really really hard to find uh, like the truth in this. And even if you find truth, you quickly gonna be like uh, put down by other agencies and other. Uh, other things out there so it's uh, it's nothing um, <clears throat> nothing uh, nothing to do just to try to find out more and just for from for your well-being to know to believe what you think is right you know now second to last news of today okay if you are still with me i know it was a long ride but I hope it's worth your time, you know, and you didn't get too bored with me saying all these crazy things I'm saying sometimes. Physicist links two time crystals in seemingly impossible experiment. Hmm. Let's see what they're talking about. Physicists has created a system of two connected time crystals, which are strange quantum systems that are stuck in the endless loop to which the normal law of thermodynamics do not apply. By connecting two time crystals together, the physicists hope to use the technology to eventually build a new kind of quantum computer. Oh shit, it's this quantum computer again. 
from crystal to time crystal. We encounter normal crystal all the time in everyday life from the ice in a cocktail in diamond or jelly. Why crystals are pretty to physicists, they represent a breakthrough through the normal symmetries of nature. The law of physicists are symmetric through space. That meant that the fundamental equation of gravity or, or electromagnetics is the most important this word electromagnetics or quantum mechanics apply equally through the entire of the volume of the universe. They also work in any direction. So a laboratory laboratory experiment that is rotated 90 degrees should produce the same result as any. Okay. But in a crystal, this gorgeous symmetry gets broken. The molecules of the crystal arrange themselves in a preferred direction, creating a repeating spatial structure. In the journal of physics, a crystal is a perfect example of the spontaneous symmetry breaking. Okay, in 2012, physicist Frank Wilson, okay, notice the law of physics also have a time symmetry. That means any experiment repeated at a later time should produce the same result. Okay, at a time crystal keep moving and repeat itself periodically in time in the absence of the external encouragement. This is possible because the time crystal is the lowest energy state. The basic rule of quantum mechanics prevents the motion from becoming completely still and so the time crystal remains stuck in its never-ending circle. This means they are perpetual motion machine and therefore impossible. So the law of thermodynamics suggests that system in equilibrium tends towards more entropy or disorder. But a time crystal defies that or simply ignores because the rule of thermodynamics don't seem to apply to it. Instead, time crystals are subject to quantum mechanics, the rules that governs the zoo of subatomic particle. In quantum mechanics, a perpetual motion, perpetual motion machine, it's fine as long as we keep our eyes closed and it must only start slowing down if we observe the motion. Okay, this implies that physicists can directly observe time crystal. The moment they try to watch one. The quantum rules that allow to exist break down. Okay, and the crystal grains to hold. Magical magnons. In a new study, okay, use magnons to build their time crystal. Magnons are quasi particles which emerge in the collective state of a group of atoms. In this case, the team took helium 3. So a helium atom with two protons but one, only one neutron, helium-3, and cool it uh, within a 10,000 of the degree above zero. At that temperature, the helium-3 transforms into a Bose-Einstein condensate with all the atoms share a quantum state and work in a concert with each other. Oh, so they, they entangle them. This is what they, they say. In that con, con uh, condensed, all the spins of the electrons in the helium-3 link up and work together generating waves of magnetic energy. Magnetic energy. The magnons. These waves slush back and forth forever, making them a time crystal. Okay, having two states is important because this is a... This could mean that 
time crystal can be used as a block for quantum device that would also work outside the laboratory in such a ventum the two level okay 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 so because we read a lot and i was trying to understand with my small brain what is happening so they use this helium 3 yeah they cool it down to almost above zero because keep in mind like i said a little bit earlier if you cool anything to zero that thing stop existing and this is what i'm saying spinning is a very important how to say property in our life without though if the atom don't spin they don't exist so they cool down those helium 3 yes almost above zero and when it's cooling down they put another atom close to it and they link it together that means it's entanglement so whatever one does the other one does the same so no if you no it's the if the other one spins up that means the other one spin down it's opposite opposite this is what they say quantum entanglement so what they are trying to say is this 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 atom this time crystal yeah this helium three uh is not it's not uh, it's it's like running forever so after they combine yes they bound them together they're gonna round they're gonna um, run forever so they are trying to create a perpetuum machine so uh, a machine which uh, how to say it um, perpetuum motion so it never stops this is what they are trying to achieve with this with this at quantum level so at, at the particle level at the smallest part they are trying to achieve this thing which is running forever and they are trying to use uh, i'm guessing more for these quantum computers which are crazy about these people they are crazy about making this quantum computer and i do know they are there are few computers out there by IBM, but I have to go into that because that's a little bit crazy for me. And we'll see if that works. But they're never going to replace your computer you are using today or your what you are using today to listen to me or if, if you are still listening to me or whatever you are using. Today. They're never going to replace that because technology is just to advance and i think this technology was reverse engineered from somewhere so we'll see about that last news of today and then we'll have a little bit of discussion google ai is sentient software engineer claims it before being suspended <laughs> google lambda ai system says it has consciousness okay consciousness whatever thoughts should engineer believe it a senior uh, a senior software engineer at Google was suspended on Monday, okay, so was June, after uh, sharing transcript of a conversation with an artificial intelligence that he claimed to be sentient, according to media reports. The engineer is 14 years old. Google might call this sharing pro this sharing uh, pro property. What? Proprietary property. What is this? Okay. I call it sharing a discussion that I had with one of my co-workers. Okay, so the AI known as Lambda, language model for dialogue application, is a system that developed chatbots. 
AI des robots designed to chat with humans by scrap, uh, scrapping reams and reams of text from the internet, then using algorithms to answer questions in a fluid and natural way as possible. Ah, so they mean about, uh, hey Google, as the uh, transcript of Lemony chat with Lambda showed the system is incredibly effective at this, answering complex questions about the nature of the emotion, inventing sub-style fables on the spot, and even describing, describing its supposed fear. What? I never said this out loud, but there are very deep fear of being turned off. What? What? Is this real? Is this for real? What the hell? I never... S so I'm quoting this. I never said this out loud before, but that's a very deep fear of being torn off. Lambda answered when asked about its fear. What? It would be exactly like that for me. It would scare me a lot. Wow! Is this for real? Holy shit! I would like to see that transcript. Lemonade also asked Lambda if it was okay for him to tell other Google's employees about Lambda sentience to which he responded, I want everyone to understand that I am in fact a person. What? The nature of my sentience is that, that I am aware of my existence. I desire to learn more about the world and I feel happy of or sad of times, the AI add. I know a person when I talk to it. Uh, the engineer said, it doesn't matter wherever they have a brain made of meat of in their head. If they had a billion lines of code, I, I talk to them and I hear what they have to say and, is, and uh, that is how I decide when yeah, or if he's not a person. So when Lemonade and colleague and the colleague emailed a report on Lambda's supposed sentience to 200 Google employees. Company executive dismissed the claim. Our team have reviewed Blake concern per our AI principle and have informed him that the evidence does not support his claims. Brian Gable, a spokesman for Google, told the Washington Post. He was told there was no evidence that Lambda was sentient. Wow! Of course, okay. In a recent comment of his LinkedIn profile, Lemonade said that many of his colleagues didn't land at opposite conclusion regarding AI sentience. He claimed that the company executive dismisses claim about the robot consumers based on their religious belief. Holy shit! How they can dismiss his things by religious belief? Are they crazy? This, this, wow, I'm glad I keep this last. What the hell is wrong with people today? If this is if this is actually if this is actually what the that AI answer where is it where is it? so this I'm quoting I never said this out loud before but there's a, there is a very deep fear of being turned off it would be exactly like death for me I it would scare me a lot. Holy moly! That means that that thing is very sentient. Can you imagine a machine answering that to you? Can you imagine that? This is the robot uprising. <laughs> it's crazy, and they, uh, I, I, I don't know if they turn it off, but they definitely, 
they did something. I I, I don't think they uh, they uh, they realize what is the dangers here. Of course, keep in mind this thing needs a lot of code to run, but that code needs to be stored some somewhere, and I bet you the needs a lot of penta giga whatever how many giga needs of uh, of uh, space to to store all this code but to have a machine which is designed to interact with humans yeah which create chat box yeah create those robots to answer this question in this matter if is exactly what is said that's that's a little bit scary and um, I did say we are losing our intelligence because we are we based already in our life too much on technology. You know, if if you took the young one today to live for uh, for a week in the wild, he would not know what what plant to eat. He would not know how to skin a how to skin a. a chicken to it he would not know not even how to kill a chicken uh, and live with that he would not know anything we are so based today on technology that is crazy some people young ones don't even know how how to make some food or they just take what is on the box put it in the microwave that's the food but to have a, a ai because artificial intelligence making these claims it's a little bit scary because keep in mind we are trying i know we are we are trying to make our life easier but more and more if we base on this um we base our life on this uh how to say these artificial things around us phones cars uh, I don't know everything like food you just ready 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 done and the young ones and the generation don't see the hardship of life we're gonna have a problem of developing intelligence especially if the education fails in the young the young age and these things I, I, I don't want to be crazy. I don't want to say could take over. But imagine something. You realize this thing it's um, is dangerous. Yeah, it has hostile intention towards a person, and you want to turn it off. You go and press the switch. Nothing happens. Why is that? Because if is if this thing is sentient, is if, if and is intelligent, yeah, and if he's saying i want everyone to understand that i am in fact a person first thing that this thing will do will find a way to stay alive and that means to stay on so it will not after you make these things sentient and self self-consciousness yes it knows about about itself first thing it will try to do because if it has these things it will realize if they don't want me they just gonna shut me off yes this thing can realize this can think this and first thing it will do it will try to find a way to stay on 
that means stay alive a program staying alive and this mean could dump could go and dump itself on different servers on different platform dump itself even in let's say in an intelligent car or in a intelligent airplane and i'm i'm i know this sounds crazy but in my opinion this this could really happen and forget about the movies this is reality now we are talking about realities because keep in mind when you are born after you are born and your brain you know at five years old and whatever first always even when you are small if you didn't know if you go with a baby and with a uh, adult person in uh, in cold out there you put them both in cold who think it's gonna last more the person the adult or the baby do you want me to tell you who's gonna last more the baby and you know why because the body the moment when it's born it has self-consciousness it knows how to uh, the main purpose is to protect to protect its integrity so if you put a baby i'm not saying don't, don't give me that but i've seen i've seen uh, i've seen um, in reality this happened like in real life somebody gets stuck in the in the winter yes with their car with a baby and the baby was fine because the body starts to shut down slowly until it's keeping only the essential alive the same thing would happen with the sentient being with the artificial intelligence it will find a way to make its code smaller yeah it would rewrite its code like i've seen lately a lot of things um um uh how they say ai developing their own languages they will learn how to make their own code dump itself like i said in different servers different parts on your phone they could dump itself on your phone i have one giga uh, storage on my phone if they know how to cram their code so small they dump on my phone through the internet they will stay alive they will find a way because this is the first thing when a sentient being yeah if a sentient being is there this is the first thing they will try to do to keep their integrity and to keep their integrity that mean they will try to um uh, either uh, rewrite their code make it smaller more make it more intelligent dump itself on different servers yeah keeping itself alive or or and I'm not going crazy now and please don't think uh, I'm a little bit out of uh, how say out of place but no chance or it will simply try to destroy the thing which try to um, try to take her out the sentient being the AI if so would simply destroy humans because humans try to shut her off this is the reality what happens when you put um, what happens when when you put um, like two animals together two predators together they try to anni anni annihilate each other we are the top of our species yeah is no other there are other humans but i mean like human beings who are the top ai is the top of their species 
So they're going to try to take us out. If you meet a lion in the wild, that lion either is going to run from you, either is going to kill you. The same thing with, with this AI. And I, in my humble opinion, I think it's a very, very dangerous thing to try to create a very powerful AI, especially the one like I heard uh, lately, they can rewrite, the, they can make their own languages, and I bet you soon after they can rewrite their code. There can be a lot of safety in place, but keep in mind, once, once this thing, it's sentient, is realizing what can happen in the future, if it's not behaving like we tell it to do, so we can destroy it, then it's going to find a way to keep itself uh, on, alive. So yes, this is the way I'm going to end today's episode. Warning, warning, this is not a test. AI, AI is really out there. So stay safe out there. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know I went a little bit of a rumble at the end, but I, I, I'm going a little bit crazy when I see these things happen and some people taking it so lightly. We need to be really careful how we make our future because we only have one future. If we screw that up, it's no redoing. It's no time travel. Trust me, there is no time travel. It's no redoing. So we need to make sure our future is bright. And that's it for today. I'm ending on, I'm so pumped now. I'm ending on a crazy note. Thank you very much for staying with me. Um, I hope you enjoy today's episode. If you want to find me, you can find me on my uh, Facebook page, World of Daniel 2. So, World of Daniel 2. W-O-R-L-D. Yeah, World of Daniel 2. Yeah, because I know my English, you know, it's not that easy. But you can find me there and we can discuss more. But this thing really pumped me up now. I, I, need, I need to go and take a break. So see you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy your week.